reading from 1 Peter chapter 4 and verses 12 to 19. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Thank you, Peter. Usually, uh, when I'm speaking, I encourage people to look at their Bible, uh, to look at the passage and the screen for other verses. Uh, just because of where we're at and we're not handing out Bibles, I'll put all the verses on the screen if that is helpful. But if you would like to read along in your Bible, uh, that's good too. Let me pray for us as we get into this passage. Uh, dear Lord, I pray that I might speak as one who speaks your very word. As we talk about suffering, give us the conviction and courage to stand up for the name of Christ and be prepared to endure suffering so others might have the hope of your salvation. Amen. Every day in the media, we see people who are willing to stand up for something they believe in, for their cause, and often at great personal cost. And irrespective of what we think about their particular cause or how they're standing up for their cause or the way they are protesting, you've got to admire their courage and their depth of conviction. And so whether we're watching someone, you know, standing up for Save the Whales or veganism or Black Lives Matter or uh, same-sex marriage, whatever the cause uh, there are people who are standing out there waving the flag and counting the cost. And sometimes that, that flag's big. And I think perhaps the most famous image of someone standing up for a cause is this one, where a sole protester stood in Tiananmen Square in front of a, a column of tanks. But of course, it's not always quite that dramatic. Uh, sometimes it's chaining yourself to a pole in the middle of the city. Sometimes it's simply something like wearing a badge uh, that identifies what you stand up for. Uh, but whatever it is, uh, they are doing it because they believe in what they are standing up for. And so we get to see the courage of their convictions. And there's nothing more compelling than someone who is willing to suffer for their cause. Uh, the suffering uh, that we're looking at today uh, isn't so much the suffering that comes as a result of circumstance. So today, we're not looking at suffering as a result of illness or perhaps losing your job or, or a freak accident or something like that. Uh, what Peter wants to encourage us in is standing up for our faith, uh, that we might be willing to stand up in a hostile world 
for Christ and to stand by the courage of our convictions. And the the passage we're looking at today is similar but different to passages that we have read earlier. So earlier in, in this letter, Peter was talking about standing up and suffering for Christ, but the emphasis was on standing up so that others might see the glory of God. And so chapter 2, verse 12 would be a good example of that, where he says, Live such good lives amongst the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. But here, the emphasis is just slightly different, because here it's not so much about others glorifying God as us standing up so that we might testify to God's goodness and that we might stand and glorify God ourselves. Uh, So looking at this passage, starting at verse 12. uh, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Uh, For some, that fiery ideal was literal. So in AD 64, which is about the time that this letter was written, there was a massive fire in Rome where literally two-thirds of the city were destroyed. And it burned for almost 12 days or something like that. It was huge. And at the time, Emperor Nero, to deflect blame from himself, uh, pointed the finger at the Christians and then went about persecuting the Christians uh, within Roman society. And so this is how one writer of that sort of era described what was going on uh, for people then. Uh, and for Christians. Mockery of every sort was added to their deaths. Covered with the skins of beasts, they were torn by dogs and perish, or were nailed to crosses, or were doomed to the flames and burnt, to serve as nightly illumination when daylight had expired. Nero offered his gardens for the spectacle and was exhibiting a show in the circus. Yeah, that's a pretty graphic picture of persecution for your faith. Now, as Peter's writing this letter, he's not writing to Rome. He's writing to Christians sort of a little bit further out. But it certainly says something about the mood of the day. But for this passage, I don't think Peter is so much talking about literal fiery persecution as metaphoric, uh, which is that the fire that burns and refines our faith and tests our faith and shows the reality of our faith. And so, you know, a few weeks ago, we had a similar image Uh, where he says, In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. And we had a, a similar image today, didn't we, in our passage from the Psalms, where he says, For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. So they shouldn't be too surprised that they are facing all sorts of persecution because this is what God said would happen. And certainly as we look back, this was the experience of Jesus. And if this was the experience of Jesus, then it was always going to be the experience of those who chose to follow Jesus. And depending on how we stand up to that testing, it should either give us a sense of comfort and confidence that we have actually stood firm, uh, or it's going to be incredibly confronting, isn't it? 
when we have actually been tested and realise there's not a lot there. Uh, years ago, I used to cycle from Greenacre, which is near Bankstown. Uh, I lived in Greenacre for about 12 years. And we'd cycle from Greenacre to the airport uh, along the Cooks River, if anyone knows it. And uh, anyway, I did this with a couple of mates from church. And we were reasonably fit at the time. I was a bit younger. Uh, but there was a, another guy at church, Larry. And Larry was really, he was a natural athlete, but he, he wasn't a cyclist. Uh, but he just talked it up, how if he came on this ride, he would just blow us away, right? And he just talks it up so much that after a while, you, you sort of start to believe him. You know, maybe you really will. So, so anyway, the, the day finally comes, okay? So we, we turn up at the track, we line up, we're all there, and uh, we, we start the stopwatch, and we take off, right? And normally we take off pretty hard, but, you know, Larry's about to blow us away, so, you know, we take off just that much harder, Right? Larry lasted for fair income less than one minute. Okay. <laughs> so, and then the next 40 Ks, it's just him whinging and complaining about how sore his butt is. Uh, and it, it's a little bit like that you know, with us and, and being Christians. We, we can talk a good game pretty easily. You know, you can come to church, you know, we can go to a connect group. You know, we know how to hold a reasonable conversation. You know, we can show some sort of evidence of the spirit. We can be kind and nice to other people. Uh, we can be happy, and, and that often looks like joyfulness. So we can, you know, look good. Uh, but really, the test of our faith isn't in the good times. It's when things get difficult. And certainly if you think about your own journey as a Christian, I'm almost completely sure that the times you have grown the most have not been in the easy times. It wasn't while you were sitting on, on the beach, you know, on a holiday. Uh, it was in the hard times when you've been really pushed to trust God. And so I think three things. I think between temptation and trials and doubt, they really challenge the reality and the depth of our faith. Yeah, but here, you know, the persecution can come in all sorts of forms, can't it? Yeah, so sometimes it can be general. You know, we can be watching a TV show or a movie and they sort of describe, you know, Christians or mock Christians in a way that we can often find a little bit uncomfortable and confronting. Uh, at other times it can be actually personal. It's, it's personal relationships within our sort of sphere of, of life. And again, for some people, they just want to mock and ridicule a little bit. But for others, they're actually genuinely vindictive. You know, they want to make our life hard. They want us to suffer. And for some, that has implications for their job or for future, you know, prospects in, in sort of getting to a better position and, you know, career advancement. Uh, for others in different parts of the world, you know, that suffering is, is not just in our circumstance, but it's physical and it can involve uh, imprisonment and even death. Uh, but whatever the situation... How we respond to that suffering will speak to the reality of our faith. And so verse 13, But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Now, just to be clear, we're not rejoicing in the suffering itself. We're not going, gee, that was fun. Uh, we're, we're rejoicing in the fact that as we endure suffering, it shows the reality of our faith. And as Christ suffered for us and achieved our salvation, as we suffer, our desire is that we'll glorify God, 
but that we will also do our little bit to achieve the salvation for someone else. Because some, some people will look at our faith and it will make it compelling. You have something that I want. And when you suffer for it, that just shows me how real it is. Uh, but of course, for others, our, our faith is a, a, you know, the stench of death, as Paul puts it. And it actually turns people away. But how we stand will say something about our true conviction. And when we stand, we can be confident that we will be vindicated when we stand with Christ. Again, not because we've endured suffering, but because as we endure, it shows evidence that God is with us through his spirit. So verse 14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of the glory and sorry, the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You know, so often when we're faced with a big challenge, you know, something that really overwhelms us, you know, we can feel, you know, just like giving up even before we begin. You know, we feel so inadequate and we can imagine failing. And so why, you know, why even start when we're going to fail in the end anyway? And these days there's, you know, innumerable number of, you know, playlists on Spotify that are supposed to inspire us and to find that inner strength. And if that doesn't work for you, then there's memes or, you know, I'm sure there's someone on YouTube who wants to say something uh, about reaching deep, finding that inner strength and persevering. Uh, but this passage is not about us finding our inner strength. Uh, this passage is about recognising that our strength comes from God's spirit, uh, that we really are inadequate, uh, that we really do feel weak, but that's okay because God gives us the strength that we don't have in ourselves. And so God is the one who will help us persevere now. Uh, God is the one who will bring us home to the end. And so when we endure suffering, when we stand firm, it testifies not to our strength, but to God's goodness and his spirit. Uh, but he also wants to be clear that not all suffering is good suffering, and not all suffering is simply because we are Christians. So verse 15, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of meddler or, or a criminal or even as a meddler. Yeah, if we suffer because of our own choices, then of course we're not being persecuted, we're simply being punished for doing the wrong thing. Yeah, if you've got a fish sticker on the back of your car and you're speeding and you get pulled over, you can't turn around and say they're persecuting me because I'm a Christian. No, they're just busting you and punishing you because you're speeding. Uh, the fish sticker has nothing to do with it. Uh, that, that's what he's sort of talking about here. Uh, there is persecution that happens and there is punishment. But if we're going to suffer, let's make sure we're suffering for Christ and not for doing the wrong thing. So verse 16 is the, the opposite. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. You know, the world will want to shame us for bearing the name of Christ. And particularly as our Christian views clash with many of our social views and particularly around social uh, issues. And so we've got to really get comfortable, don't we? That we no longer live in a Christian society. It certainly has a Christian heritage. But we live in a post-Christian society where our views and values will be ridiculed and sometimes we will be persecuted. 
But as we stand firm, we're also reminded that there's a lot at stake uh, for us, but also for our world. And so verse 17, for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? When we read that passage, I think most of us naturally associate judgment with the future, uh, that Jesus will come again to judge and the living and the dead. But what this passage here is talking about, the judgment is both present and future. And I think it's a little bit like a, a gymnast in their routine. So you know how gymnasts work. From the moment they, they step up to their routine, you know, they jump onto the bar or onto the mat, they're on. And everything is being judged. You know, every motion, every flip and twist, you know, from the time they start to the time they land, it's all been judged. Uh, but of course, there is a final judgment uh, where the scores come up on the scoreboard and you, know, you see you know, how they've done. And it's a little bit like that for us in the present. Right now, God is observing us. Uh, he does see how we live. He knows our actions. He knows the attitudes of our heart. That's why we come together and we confess our sin and acknowledge them. Because we recognise that God sees and we need forgiveness and we need to repent. But there is a future judgement. Uh, there is a time coming when we will stand before God once and for all. And God will judge us for our life. Yeah, I think for some people, uh, when they look at Christians suffering, they see that as proof that God is not present. Now, if God doesn't even save his own people, if he doesn't even save the people he, you know, who actually like him, then surely he's not there at all. Or at very best, he's completely absent. Uh, but Peter turns it around the other way. He says if, if God is willing to allow his people to suffer for the sake of his glory and to refine them and to build them up and to grow them, so if he's willing for us to suffer as his people then don't be too surprised that he will also allow suffering for those who reject his grace and mercy. And I think verse 18, you know, where he says it's, sorry, verse 18 is not saying it's hard for us to be saved in the sense that we work hard for our salvation. Uh, we are saved by grace. And Peter's been really clear about that right from the beginning of this letter. So right back at the beginning, just to be clear, he says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So our salvation is by grace. Nothing takes that away. But as saved people, life is still going to be hard in the present. And if it's hard for us in the present then it's going to be infinitely harder for those who reject Christ in the future. And so now Peter comes to the conclusion of the matter. Verse 19. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do what is good. Now, we'll suffer persecution as Christians, uh, not simply because people don't like us, but also because it is part of God's will. That this is part of God's purpose for his people in the present. And God chooses to use the evil of the world and sin and suffering as part of us growing uh, in our godliness 
and part of making himself known in the world. And we've seen examples of that all the way through scriptures, haven't we? So we see it in the life of Daniel and Job. We see it in the life of Paul. Uh, All of them suffer and God chooses to use that suffering for his purpose. And so whatever our circumstance, Peter is saying, commit yourself to the cause of Christ. Commit yourself to standing with Christ and standing against our world. And continue to do good. Do good to honour God and do good to commend God's goodness. You know, there are plenty of people in our community who will blame Christians for everything, for every social problem. Uh, we will see it in, you know, sexual guilt, domestic violence. We'll see it in wage inequality, racism, homophobia. Uh, lots of people want to po- always point the finger that it's all about Christians and our Christian heritage. And there's no doubt that Christians throughout history have done terrible things in the name of Christ. But there's also going to be people who are angry at Christians simply because it makes them feel guilty for their own behaviour. And then there are going to be people who hate Christians because they feel that, you know, in our sort of rationalist culture, that faith is really just simplistic and superstitious. And so again, they'll point the finger at us and the temptation will be just to feel their ridicule. Uh, But whatever the reason, uh, we live in a society that is going to become increasingly sceptical, antagonistic and often angry. And so we need to get comfortable uh, with standing up for Christ and recognising that as we stand up, that's going to mean at times that we will suffer. And I think as a starting point, and Helen said it in, in her interview, you know, as a starting point, let people know that you are a Christian. You know, we should be known as Christians in our workplace. Our neighbours should know our, we're Christians. Our friends should obviously know that we are Christians. And we need to look for opportunities for how we stand up for Christ in that. And it might be in our conversations. It might be as simple as having a, a verse a Bible verse on your screensaver at work, it might be a pin, it might be on your social media profile. But whatever it is, how do we stand up in the world proudly, confidently, and say to the world, I stand with Christ and I wouldn't want to stand anywhere else. Uh, that we are proud of, who, of what Christ has done for us and we're proud to stand with Christ. Let me pray. Uh, Dear Lord, uh, in a world where we often feel weak, uh, Lord, we pray that by your spirit you might give us strength. Help us to stand clearly as Christians uh, within our community, that people might see it in our lives, uh, that we might be able to commend Christ to them. And Lord, most of all, as we reflect on this passage, that as we suffer, uh, that we might suffer proudly because we are suffering for Christ. Amen.